0: The John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast. <laughs> John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that post the next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mirror's hurt now. Frank oh, cool. Mere does it again! Rockum Sockham Robots here. Oh my goodness! I can't believe There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
1: Oh, is it great to be back with you? No Matt Sarah this week, folks. It's Monday, May 17th, 2021, episode 301 of the Anakin Florian podcast. John Anakin, Ray Longo off the top today because I think Ken Flo's wife is in labor as I wanted to be on the air when she actually gave birth to this little human being. So the best to, uh, to Clark Florian and Kenny Florian as their lives are about to effectively change
0: forever here in a matter of moments. Yeah, best of luck, guys. He wouldn't let the uh, podcast go in. He went dark
1: on us, so he said he might miss the show today, and then he went dark. So I'm assuming that's because uh, things are starting to escalate, as they say. I believe her water broke this morning, and they are are ready to go. So Kenny has a daughter, True, and they are welcoming a baby boy. Not breaking news if you follow the guy on Twitter. I'm not trying to steal his thunder, but we're excited to see – uh what this boy will be named and of course ken Flo celebrating a big birthday here in about nine days but in all likelihood he will not be with us today but that's okay because you know who stepped up to the goddamn plate
0: <laughs> raymond peter Longo. you know what this is like in the movies when they got to wake the old judge up to sign like a, a search warrant they come out yeah. in my pajamas this is what i feel like but yeah. i got my yeah. trusty led zeppelin mug that's i'm good. ready to go
1: Longo is a notary public, by the way. If anybody needs that, you can just show up at yeah. Longo Wadman MMA today. So, uh, yeah, Matt Sarah's appearance last week. Polarizing individual. No, he's very beloved in the MMA space. But even the, the <laughs> dynamic between the two of you guys hey, listen, uh, gets he, me off he, my game.
0: He fucked this on purpose. Right? He could have been home and did that. No, nah, he right, had to go in right. the car. We had to look at him like this. Did how? Hey, people, how would you like to see this for like 20 seconds? I, uh, right i mean this right. is what we saw like a guy kept freezing horrible different locations
1: wow. well i will say though we were trying to work around his schedule which includes this mid-morning nap so he uh, he God, teaches please, please. very early on or whatever the hell he does and please, then safe, I walked, so he said as late as you can do it and i said oh, 12 30 p.m eastern is about as late as we can go so we wanted to an- answer the bell for the uh, 300th episode but that is neither here nor there um, let's get into headlines and let us begin with UFC 262. What a wild live event, huh? I mean, I, this sport.
0: I thought every fight on that card was good from top to bottom. They they had great fights. They're one, of, one of the best cards I, I remember.
1: So Charles Oliveira is the undisputed UFC lightweight champion. And I think anybody who watched the broadcast and ingested our content this week, UFC 262 countdown, They understand what type of accomplishment this is for it to take a guy 28 UFC fights to just get a championship opportunity. And there were plenty of times in Charles Oliveira's career when people sort of dismissed his chances to rise to that peak. You know, after the main event against Max Holloway that I've referenced in 2015 that ended unceremoniously with an injury about 90 seconds in. And people have perpetually questioned his toughness at times, deservedly so. Charles Oliveira is on top of the MMA world, and man to man, I just couldn't be happier for, for this individual and his family.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that Charles Oliveira and I did this and never, 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 never quit. He just kept going. And I'm going to give you a bit of trivia. I said this uh, the other night to somebody. Uh, it was about 12, 12, 13 years ago. He actually fought in the ring of combat, and he fought a really tough guy from Long Island. I think his name was Dom Stanko. and um,
1: That's a fighter name, huh?
0: I mean, uh, tough, tough, real like tough street kid. And he got dismantled. I mean, this guy, whoever he was, you know, there was a, I think it was, there was a place in Florida called the Armory. Maybe I could be totally wrong, but there was a guy brought in him. He brought in Edson Barbosa, two guys that when you saw them fight, you said, these guys are going to do something. I don't know if I said he's going to be a champion someday, but man, he was totally different. It was about 12 years ago. So his journey Started in those, you know, those little shows and ended up Mm -hmm. culminating in a big victory, which is which is crazy because he did have highs and lows, you know, and he's got a bunch of losses on his record. And, uh, you know, I thought the difference in this fight, you know, I thought uh, Chandler had a shot to do what Felder did to him, kind of just break him with like physicality. Right. And uh, it almost looked like it was going to happen and it didn't. so Oliveira, man, hats off, man. He stayed the course. His technique is beautiful. Uh, you know, even when he got hurt, he was still able to start throwing up submissions, whether he was close or not uh, is one thing. But he was had, he has a presence of mind to fight. looked like maybe it could have been stopped, but thank God it wasn't. But, um, right. you know, who's not a Michael Chandler fan? It was a crazy thing because Chandler's such an uplifting guy. And if anybody could handle a loss, it's Chandler. He goes into that category where, those losses don't bother him. He's not going to harp on it. He's going to find the uh, silver lining in that that loss and he he will be back.
1: There are a lot of different angles to this fight that we will get to. I'm not sure how much time Ray Lanco has this morning, but in terms of Michael Chandler and his Fight IQ, his strategy in this fight. I do believe in terms of one-punch knockout power, he's got to be the the most powerful guy at 155 pounds. I would throw Justin Gaethje in that mix. Charles Oliveira, we talk a lot about the technique. Maybe we don't talk enough about the power that he has on the feet. But Joe Rogan, Daniel Cormier, and and I, all at different times in that first round, questioned Chandler's decision on the broadcast to engage Charles on the ground instead of allowing him back to his feet when he had him hurt. So I will turn it around on the coach and ask you uh, if you fault Michael Chandler's decision to continuously engage inside that close guard of Charles Oliveira, seemingly maybe trying to finish him with ground strikes. You know, I thought he should have stood him up at least twice in that round when he was hurt to try to close the show.
0: Yeah. Well, look, it's, uh, he had success with, um, with hooker right they never got to the guard obviously but he did But basically was the same kind of thing he the guy was on all you know on all fours he was getting punched in the head uh look if you ever heard me coaching I'm always the guy saying stand back up because I love to get a guy up and those legs are wobbling a little yeah. bit you get one or two free shots you know what I mean it was almost you know I'm not, I'm not you know not the but even like Matt and GSP you know, he had that guy wobbled. He could have went to the floor. Matt's a jujitsu guy. Maybe he should have went down and submitted him. No, he kept lining him up, man, for big shots while he was wobbling. And that was probably a mistake in hindsight, but it's worked for him before. So, you know, maybe yeah. he'll learn. that's what I'm saying. He'll learn something from that. But if you have the power of Michael Chandler, Get right. that guy back on his feet. Well, look. that's
1: my yeah. thought. And it's not hindsight for us because we mentioned it right while the fight was going on. I guess I'm wondering aloud if strategically that was something that they were planning to do or if that was just instinctual.
0: I think it was, in, it was instinctual what he did. But, you know, in hindsight and again, for me, I'm always uh, yelling to get back up, especially when I know I have a striker. Yeah. You know, if I have a a guy that wrestles, I'm not doing that. Uh, you know, but but Chandler has huge power. There was there was a fight, man. Me and Al were cornering a uh, Costa Filippo. and I forget who he was fighting, but he knocked the guy down. He was on top of him. Me and Al were screaming, "Get up!" I mean, it it took John, it took yeah twenty screams, right? And he was st- when he let that guy up, man. That guy stood up, and he got hit with two shots, took yeah. him completely out. So I think that's where you're coming from. I agree with that. Uh, I Michael think Chandler he- a
1: lot more coachable, incidentally, than Costa Philippo. No, I'm just, taking <laughs> a
0: thing. I'm just kidding.
1: The yeah, mental fortitude, though, yeah, the mental focus, of Charles Oliveira in this instinct when he was hurt, the way he rolled urgently to make sure that this fight was not finished. I give him a lot of credit for yes. that. And uh, I was talking to the fine MMA manager Jason House and Eric your boy Anders before the fight, and Jason House made me want to almost go back to my hotel room and rewrite my show open because he was talking about Chandler as a foil for Charles Oliveira and saying, how perfect would it be if Charles Oliveira can beat this guy? Because this is the type of challenge that you would really like to see him pass to become the UFC champion. Maybe a Felder type challenge a little bit if the fight goes to the ground and gets hairy as it did, right? But you want to see him be the nail, right? Not be the hammer necessarily, but be the nail, recover, Lean on his heart and mental and physical toughness and still get the job done. So I think it was a perfect championship win. What a way to win a title. And as I said to someone after the fact, you know, Michael Chandler's a dear friend of mine. Uh, I have a, a closer personal relationship with him, even though I go way back with Charles, in some part just because Charles Oliveira doesn't really speak English. But, you know, Chandler's already a millionaire. Charles Oliveira has effectively changed his life forever and is going to be able to help his family and a lot of different people with this money and with this new championship contract. So uh, I am just so happy, man. So, so happy for Charles Oliveira. And, and you know, hopefully uh, he's feeling that love from the fan base right
0: now. Yeah, and, 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 John, the fights that really get you jumping out of your seat are where one guy's winning, then he's losing, then he's winning again. You know, when he had Chandler in the, 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 the body lock, when he had his back, I mean, who, I thought Chandler did a great job defending that. And that that's another reason why, like to your point, where when he knocked him down, why even take the chance of getting back into a position like that? That's uncomfortable. And, you know, thank God he made it out of there. But just what a great back and forth fight. Uh, great storylines on both sides. It was just I thought it was a fantastic main event.
1: I was listening to Tyron Woodley on the ESPN plus UFC two sixty two post show, and he talked about Charles Oliveira's ability to keep Michael Chandler on the end of his punches and specifically the accuracy down the stretch. When you have Chandler on the ropes and he was pretty damn hurt. You know, Cody was saying to me in Houston, I actually got to meet Cody Merrow this weekend, our producer for the first time. It was his eighth wow. birthday. Yeah. Wow. What a great dude. He's not six three, but he's a great dude.
0: <laughs> ha! I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but it's funny.
1: No. So uh, I lost my train of thought there uh, yeah. for a second. Uh, but keeping somebody on the end of your punches, you have a window in which to finish somebody. And Charles Oliveira made sure that Michael Chandler didn't recover. And you see a lot of these guys are just so accurate in these type of situations that I would actually put Chandler hooker in this conversation as well. He did not miss with those, Finishing strikes, and Charles Oliveira, man, did he not miss and made sure that he left no doubt that Chandler was unconscious.
0: Absolutely beautiful. a yeah, right. Really great fight. So, John, there he
2: is. So the point that you got ran off track of that I was making to you was that at no point did Chandler think to shoot when Charles hurt him. Yes. Which is crazy thinking because Chandler is an excellent wrestler, and at no point in his brain did he think to shoot when he was hurt.
1: Thank you, Cody. That's, a, that's, that's a, right. That's a great point. So he was clearly compromised to a significant extent. All right. So there's so much to get into when it comes to this fight. I don't want to bring the program down with this morass of negativity right now, but we do have to talk about the scorecards a little bit because even though it mattered not at night's end because there was a finish, two of the three judges involved gave Charles Oliver, excuse me, gave Michael Chandler a 10-8 in round one Despite the fact that Charles Oliveira had some moments. So, the way I interpret the scoring, I thought that was a 10 9. I I thought it was maybe inching towards a 10 8. But, based upon my interpretation of the scoring, which I am going to read for you today, I apologize if people don't want to hear that. Um, But before I get into sort of the nitty gritty of the language, Sal Diamato and Chris Lee are sort of ubiquitously regarded as fine judges. And well, I'll preface it by saying if if my bosses, Craig Borsari and Zach Candido, don't like me to talk about judges individually, I'm sure I'll get a phone call from Zach after this program. I think Sal Diamato is one of the best judges in the game. I do not hold Chris Lee in that regard. I haven't fancied a lot of his scorecards over the last two years. But both of those guys had a 10-8. And – these are widely regarded as two of the most elite judges in the business. And I just did not see this as a 10-8. And uh, I'll get into the language here in a little bit after I get Ray's opinion. Uh, and maybe I should have done this in reverse order. But uh, I don't know. I feel like some of these judges are in their head a little bit at this point in time. And, uh, you know, with this motivation to be more liberal with the 10-8s, I didn't see a 10-8 there in round one. Your thoughts, Raymond?
0: Uh, Yeah, I wouldn't have scored that a 10-8 only because he was – threatening with the submissions on the floor. So I think that evens out the big moment that he had. And, and Oliveira, Oliveira did survive. It wasn't like he was, he didn't look like he was out. So yeah, that's, a, I mean, look, you're bad dude. I, you don't get me going with the judging thing, man. I just, it's it's a real simple yeah. solution, John. I'm telling you, any job in this country that you can't do, there's a good chance you get fired. I mean, I don't know. They have to, but, but in all honesty, they have to open up these judges so we could talk to them and just, just tell me what you saw. Right. Just why? Because without that, it's not even any type of due process. It's just, I don't know why they protect these guys. I don't know. I, j- judges and referees. I mean, they are protected. That is, that is a, uh, you are not pierce, piercing that armor that protects these guys, but it's, you, you have to at least let them talk and just tell us what they're thinking, or they should be answering to the commission that, you know, the head, and then he's got to make the decision. Dude, you're going back to the miners? That's un- unacceptable. Why would you think it was that when it's clearly looking like, you know, something, yeah. it, it's just, but I've been through this a hundred times, man. I, you see my problem always, I mean, I didn't want to get into that, but um, let's not go down that rabbit well, hole. But, but, you it's know, there's great. judges that are in there for the wrong reason, too. And, yeah. you know, like I had a beef with a guy, and he purposely just – he he's going to fuck you, man. There's no question about it. You can't have the guy judging your fights. And for the championship fights, I uh, – I don't know. You get to pick the referee, I think, but not the uh, the judges. But uh, it, it's, a, it's a sad – it's sad, man, because people – they're losing half their pay. But I think this night, every the right win is one, right, John? We agree on that. Yes, was a but couple of I'm not done on that, this, unfortunately. Yeah, I no went bad. down to Radical no, no, yesterday. No, no, I'll go off well, the rails.
1: I mean, Charles Oliveira starts the first round, landing the good, clean, low kicks. He does get Chandler's back at, at one point, goes to the figure four. Eventually, huge moments for Chandler on the feet, swings the pendulum of the round. But in my mind, not enough to swing it from – 10-9 Olivera early to all the way 10-8 Chandler late. I am going to read now.
0: Yeah. and, and John, see, a, Go ahead. A 10-8 should be a, a like a pretty substantial beating from bell to bell. Or, uh, right. you know, four minutes of control time landing some damage. Go ahead. All
1: right. I'm going to read what constitutes a 10-9 round from the MMA scoring. And I would encourage anyone to uh, check out Sean Sheehan's video as well when it comes to scoring. He's devoted a lot of time to this initiative. Don't even get me started on the 10-10s, which essentially don't even fucking exist based upon this weird language. Uh, A 10-9 round in MMA is where one combatant wins the round by a close margin. So let us at least start with that thesis statement that 10-9 rounds, generally speaking, should be reserved for close rounds, at least rounds in which guys have moments on both sides. I know Ray's already curling an eyebrow on Yeah, I'm going to stop interrupting the rules at this point in time. Sorry.
0: No, no, 10, nine
1: rounded MMA is where one combatant wins the round by a close margin at 10, nine rounded MMA is the most common score a judge assesses during the night. If during the round, the judge sees a fighter land, the better strikes or utilize effective grappling during the competition. Even if just by one technique over their opponent, The judge shall give the winning fighter a score of 10 while assessing the losing fighter a score of 9 or less. It is imperative that judges understand the score of 9 is not an automatic numerical score given to the losing fighter of the round. The judge must consider, was the fighter engaged in offensive actions during the round? Did the losing fighter compete with an attitude of attempting to win the fight or just to survive the offensive actions of their opponent? A score of 10-9 can reflect an extremely close round or a round of marginal domination and or impact. And therein lies the problem, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't have half points. We don't have a lot of of options, right? So I'm all for half points. I'm all for open scoring. Um, but a score of 10-9 can reflect an extremely close round or a round of marginal domination and or impact, right? So right. 10-9s are way too fucking vague. All right. A right. 10-8 round. This language is a little bit longer. A 10-8 round in MMA is where one fighter wins the round by a large margin. A 10-8 round in MMA, not the most common score a judge will render, but it is absolutely essential to the evolution of the sport and the fairness to the fighters that the judges understand and effectively utilize a score of 10-8. I'm trying to read this quickly. Yeah. A score of 10-8 does not require a fighter to dominate their opponent for five minutes of a round. And that is a line that I wow. think a lot of judges hang on, right? See, yeah, that,
0: that's crazy because it started out almost the complete opposite. What was the way it started out when you read that? A
1: 10-8 round in MMA is where one fighter wins the round by a large margin. But then, right. Yeah, Then go, right
0: the, go right to the last line. A
1: score of 10-8 does not require a fighter to dominate their opponent for five minutes. <laughs> I, I think right? That, that's, Okay, right. That's whatever. So, and again, respect to the judges. I think you have the hardest job in the sport. Right. Other than fighting. Fighting, hardest job. Coaching and commentating, incidentally, are way down the list, right? Those aren't. Very- oh, yeah. <laughs> but again, so that's the line that I always come back to. And people are like, what does that even mean? And I'm saying, hey, don't shoot the goddamn messenger. It's in the rules right here. And I think for even the most seasoned of judges, stop barking. <laughs> even for the most yeah. seasoned of judges, I think they're sitting on that line and saying, hey, man, you know, he dominated that round. I'm not talking about Charles Oliveira, but I'm saying, or yeah. Michael Chandler, I'm saying, a fighter dominated that round, not necessarily for the full five minutes, but I'm trying to be more liberal with this 10-8 to differentiate from 10-9s, which really should be reserved, in my opinion, for closer rounds. Let me just continue. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry if this is boring, anybody. By the way, we did uh, push Forrest Griffin to uh, to next week because Ken Flo is, uh, is at a North Carolina hospital about to become a father for the second time. Stop barking, please. All right. Oh, wow. You got I'm good ears, kidding. man. Judges shall always, and always in all is in all caps. Like, do we really go all caps in the official rules? <laughs> Judges shall always give a score of 10-8 when the judge has established that one fighter has dominated the action of the round, had duration of the domination, and also impacted their opponent with either effective strikes or effective grappling maneuvers that have diminished the abilities of their opponent. Judges must, all caps, consider giving the score of 10-8 when a fighter shows dominance in the round, even though no impactful scoring against the opponent was achieved. I'm done. Okay. I decided I'm going to stop there because impactful is a made up word. Something either has impact or it doesn't. I know it's in the dictionary now because it's like a cute word that is totally overused and misused in sports television. But yeah, I saw impactful in the rules. I'm done. I'm done with that exercise for today. Okay. Uh, I love you, Zach. Don't get me in trouble. But you know what I mean? It's like what? So. So here I am on a headset, eight hours, 25, 26 weekends a year. And I'm doing my best to get to the bottom of this and try to understand this to impart information on an audience of millions of people around the world. And the language just doesn't make it any easier, man. I know it was rewritten in 2017. I'm still confused.
0: Yeah, look, I'm going back to my original. Just talk to these guys. I think that'll give you a better indication than any rules. I'm telling you, because you might, you know, it's like John, it's like you talk to a guy and you go, holy shit, he's he's fucking bad shit crazy. Like, this is the reason. You know what I'm saying? But if you don't speak with them or if it's, you know, and it's got to be, you know, off the cuff, it can't be scripted and all that yeah. bullshit. You know what I mean? Which is what they like to do. But, uh, yeah, you have to speak with him. And and you'll. You, I, I guarantee you, once you speak with him, you'll get a better idea. Look, you know, he, John McCarthy, he's always a good guy to bounce off. Because when he, at least he explains things. I'm not saying, whether I agree with him or I disagree with him, he will give you a great explanation.
1: Yeah, we've been texting right? back and forth. It really,
0: will, it really will help clear things up. Now, you might agree with it, you might not. But he's at least willing to talk to you and, and tell you, this is what I thought, this is why I thought it. And I think for the most part, he normally does a a pretty good job. Well, Um, most of these
1: judges and referees are vehemently discouraged from speaking publicly. And I think when their profile maybe gets high enough, like a Mark Goddard or Herb Dean, they're okay to maybe take some liberties. But I do agree with your thesis statement on this, which is that judges should be accountable. And I'll also say – when I called Ray before the show and let him know that we were going to go down this path a little bit today, you know, you did say it's kind of like pissing up a tree. And oh, largely yeah. when we have these conversations.
0: We, we get nowhere, John, we get absolutely nowhere. And it's just, I, I'd rather, you know, at this point, I'd rather just save my energy for something else. It's not, well, nothing right. works. And I'm not, I'm not that hell bent on it. I, you know what I'm saying? But I think it's an easy solution. You go back to the miners somebody's over, over, you know, you have a boss, right. You didn't right. do your job. You right. get promoted. We'll give you time to come back up. Yeah. Shadow this guy for a they, they
1: yeah. do something. I mean, Just with respect, anything. Chris Lee scored Paul Felder over Rafael dos Sanchez. So uh, my nine-year-old daughter, Riley uh, had it 4 one for, for RDA. And I took a deep breath thereafter. I was like, all right, I'm not. Did so we ever get an crazy.
0: explanation as to why he, he judged that? Fight. I don't even, I don't even, no.
1: I don't even want to uh, talk about it, you know?
0: Uh, that Felder sent him a Christmas. Present.
1: I do plan though, because Sal diamato is a nice guy. I do plan to seek him out and have a cup of coffee with him and express some of my opinions. And uh, I believe and he'll gonna, he'll,
0: speak with he'll you. sit yeah. down with
1: me. Yeah, no, he's a good dude, and I think he's a damn fine judge as well, uh, and has a really difficult job.
0: Yeah, All right, let's talk some it's fighting. A double, just, that, that'll sit down with you, and once your ass hits that seat. You'll be looking for the fucking exit door as quick uh-huh. as possible. Yeah. Trust me, yeah. trust me on that. You'll be running. You won't yeah. even. You won't even believe what you hear. All right, I I'll tell you. So, but just on a quick note, I remember. I think it was like three weeks ago. McCarthy and uh, Morrow were calling a fight, and they had to score. You know, it was an easy fight to score, and there was one guy, the complete opposite, and that's the first time. I heard McCarthy kind of lose his mind. He's like, holy, there's nothing ever done. And it's the same guys. Now, granted, he wouldn't reveal the guy's name, which we could all guess. But uh,
1: yeah, well, it's all out
0: there. Yeah, it's all out there. Everybody knows who the who the knuckleheads are at this point.
1: All right. Not a knucklehead, incidentally, Charles Dubronx Oliveira out of the favelas in Brazil to an undisputed UFC lightweight championship, joining his countryman Rafael dos Anjos, I believe, as the only Brazilian lightweight champions in UFC history. So who's next? So I texted Michael Chandler, and uh, I know he's still sort of licking his wounds a little bit, but... I wouldn't be totally opposed to an immediate rematch just given the nature of the way this first round went, but that is not going to be the direction in which the promotion proceeds. So in terms of title defense number one for Charles Oliveira, and by the way, Cody, I agree with you, live crowd went from booing Oliveira in the walkout to cheering his win to a great extent because of the sheer craziness of the fight but you're absolutely right about that. So who's next for Charles Oliveira? Who do you think it'll be? The winner of Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. You do have Justin Gaethje lurking if maybe you wanted to turn Charles around quickly, but he did absorb some borderline concussive damage in this contest. Dom would tell you it wasn't a concussion at all, but uh, what do you think about the uh, immediate future and title defense number one for uh, for
0: Dubronx? Uh, look, I think the good news is there's probably four or five. I think any yeah, fight is yeah. great. You know, that's the good news. That division right now, with those guys, I, I would like to see any fight. Uh, I mean, Gaethje, uh, I, 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 there's a term in the mob. It's, he gets shelved. What'd they do? They shelved Gaethje? Or we don't even see him anymore. I don't know. I don't Where know. is he? You know I think what I mean? he's been but, looking for a fight. Yeah, I, I would think I'll leave think it at so. that. Right. So, uh, I mean, look, the, 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 the right guy, if he wasn't fighting, would be Dustin, right? Because he's the guy, he's really the guy that should be fighting for the title. Yeah, but now he's got to get past McGregor, and I think the winner of that fight uh, will probably be be the next fight for uh, Oliveira. But there's any fight they make, I think is good. Gaethje would be great. There's nothing wrong with that. And and, and the other thing with not putting Chandler in for the rematch, it, there's a million good fights for Chandler. You know, oh, yeah. so it's going to be a, that that division is great. And I think I, I think if you lined up a right side and a left side, you could zigzag any way you want. Every fight is going to be good. So, well,
1: Benil Darius is going to be in the mix. He got his seventh consecutive win in the co event against Tony Ferguson, 30 to 27 times three. So Tony Ferguson goes from winning 12 in a row to now losing three consecutive fights, otherworldly toughness. It's great to see everybody embrace Tony to this extent. I know, as I was talking to my boss, Zach Candido, after the fights, he was sort of saying out loud, you know, it's kind of too bad that now that Tony is so appreciated. It's at a time in his career where maybe he's having a hard time competing with the elite lightweights Benil Darusha, certainly that after this statement. win. What were your thoughts on the uh, on the co-main event?
0: man, great fight. Uh, Benil's a, an absolute great guy. if you've ever got to talk to him. he's just a a great guy. I'm glad to see that you know the success he's having. But yeah, just total domination against a guy that you know we talked about a year and a half, two years ago of possibly beating. You know, Khabib, which in hindsight now doesn't make a good argument, but it right. is hindsight. Uh great, great win for Benil. He deserves a huge fight, at least a title eliminator. Uh he's another guy that's had his ups and downs, been around for a while. It's great to see him get the win. Ferguson, man, look, it's almost to me, it's almost tragic, man. Cause I, look, hey, wait, before we even get started, the Dean Thomas. Let's give it up to him. I think he oh, knocked it out what of the park. I mean, what I gotta, but he, he knocked it out of the park. But what he said is a hundred percent right. Here's a guy that got by on craziness and his unorthodox uh, everything. And when you don't have the fundamentals, you are in it. You you're it. when the shit hits the fan, you you are you're gonna get fucked. It's that simple. And that's exactly what we're seeing. This guy's I mean, the fact that he here here's the problem I'm seeing. And I don't know, I I like Tony, but some He needs an intervention. Somebody needs to talk to him. And the fact that he thinks Freddie Roach is going to help him in, I don't care if it was eight months, a year. Right, I mean, it takes right. a long time, man, for, for somebody to make an impact on you. I mean, uh, and, you know, I love Freddie Roach as a coach, but this is, this is is this is looking at everything but where you should be looking, which is at yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's sad because, you know, the guy's got talent, but then, when you think in hindsight, John, how many fights was he knocked down? He's rolling around. He got away with, you know, three or four fights where that, that fight could have been over. So I think we're seeing it finally catch up to him uh, where he just can't pull it together anymore. But he's got to look at himself, John. He, he, these guys, he he really needs one head guy that he listens to. Yeah. And that's, I think, his only chance at this point because you keep picking up this guy, you know, like – I remember one time I had a kickboxer come to me. I didn't even, I, I didn't even know him, but he had a fight in six weeks. So he, I let him train in the gym and I went to corner him and I overhear somebody going like, man, I can't wait to see if, what a difference if when he's been with Longo and I'm like six weeks, dude, right, I want to right. really grab him and go dude. this guy. He's a year minimum away from any type of change. Like these little quick fixes, unless you're really squared away, Right. And, you know, you're, it's just not going to work. I, I don't know what I was looking at with Tony and he's got to come to the realization now that everything is wrong. I mean, he can't stop a takedown. I mean, and Benil's not a, he's not a, you know, a, a division one, you know, outstanding wrestler in college. I mean, he got, he, he's not losing. He's getting totally dominated and it's, it's a, uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad for him because he should have had his shot a couple of years ago and never happened. And he's this guy's in a world of shit now.
1: Yeah, he does have a belt at home, but it is of the interim variety. Remarkably, right. he never has competed for the undisputed UFC lightweight title. The speed's not there. Excuse me, the aggression doesn't seem to be there. I know he was neutralized for 11 minutes on the ground in this fight, but the look in his eyes is not the same, no, right? He's, he's, he's like not there.
0: John, wow. even when they were announcing the decision, I don't even think he clapped. He almost looked to me like, is there a possibility? Maybe I won. Like, he, he's got to really, somebody's got to sit him down because he's a super talented guy that's, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it was all fun, him hitting the Wing Chun dummy and doing things. And, yeah. You know, Rogan builds a narrative around he's doing crazy things, but – I don't know, man. Who the hell knows? I would. Well, I Texas, I hey, maybe best. he could have won.
1: You never know. You never yeah. know yeah. this <laughs> night. Speaking of which, no, I mean, I thought Caitlin Chukagin might have won this contest against Viviani Ataujo, but when 30 to 27 is one of the scorecards, and I thought Ataujo Ad- had banked at least one, if not two rounds it's just massively discouraging, but you know, Caitlin is a problem. She gets stronger as the fight goes on. She had a dominant third round. And yeah, generally speaking, right. I like when the forward moving fresher fighter gets rewarded, but uh, I don't know, man, I think a lot of us octagon side thought that Viviani Ataujo had, had, done enough to, to beat the American this night. Anything for me on that fight before we move to uh, uh, Barbos
0: and Burgos? Well, I mean, look, obviously uh, Caitlin's a, a, a friend. So, uh, but, but listen, she clearly won the third. I think, vivian clearly won the second yeah so that's a no-brainer right so the first round was close depending on who you give it to but right. i think you guys had vivian I, i'll go either way i'm not all yeah. i would i wouldn't argue it from like an outsider's perspective right uh, R-
1: riley Annick, my nine-year-old daughter 29 28 Ata uja which yeah no the I, same I, scorecard as her father when we watched. I, i'm
0: gonna say this you go 29 28 vivian you go 29 28 Caitlin. Right. I, yeah i i I I'd have to go back and look at the first round. The other two rounds are easy to score, but so for some, some jackass to give, you know, Caitlin all the rounds after the second round, I think is pretty crazy. And I consider Caitlin a friend as well. And I'm very
1: happy for her. She kept a bullish schedule in 2020 and has dealt with a lot of different challenges in training because of COVID-19, right? She is somebody who is very, uh, Transportation base. She bounces around and and trains in New York and travels a lot. And so she's been leaning on her husband Kyle Sermonara for the first time. And uh happy for Caitlin. All right, let's get to Edson Barboza and Shane Burgos. What's man. your what's your out time today, Ray? When do you have to get? Yeah, I don't care. Keep right. going. You're Whatever. I love it. All right, I fucking love you. All right. And when we get to the main event challenge, by the way, later today, the language is just going to be completely off the rails because I'm going to do it in a Boston accent for Robbie Font. So be forewarned. (laughs) Edson Barboza over Shane Burgos by knockout in round three. $75,000 a piece for the fight of the night. Uh, Oh, my Lord, man. Holy crow. Bulletproof matchmaking. And needless to say, this one
0: delivered. I mean, I had Felder as the toughest guy. I know I'm, I'm putting Shane Burgos up to how the Gosh. fuck is he taking those leg kicks like that, spin back kicks to the, to the solar plexus, to the liver, still walking forward. He got rocked a bunch of times in that fight. Uh, that kid is tough and he, and he's good. Uh, but Oliver, I mean, uh, Barboza, I mean, just what a great fight. I don't know what to say. I mean, I've never seen a knockout like that in my life. Uh, you could see his brain really trying to keep him in there until it just said, dude, I gave you five seconds. i right. turning the lights right. out. You know, that was, that delay was insane to me. It's almost like you could take that combo to left uh, jab to the overhand right and cut out the first five seconds or six seconds and just go to where he stumbles back. That's the way it should look. Not right. what we right. saw. We saw five right. or six seconds that, that was crazy. Never, I've never seen that. And I, anybody out there who has a YouTube video of something remote. I got it, like, it for you. I'd love Cub to. Swanson here. over Charles Oliveira, of all people.
1: There's a, a an example in UFC history. Charles Oliveira gets hit, and his reaction is not quite as delayed as Shane Burgos's, but there's a delayed reaction. I actually think in this instance, what closed the deal for good for Shane was when he hit the turnbuckle, when he backed up that. Because he was backing up and he had that, that seemed to have the ultimate effect. And then he he was done from there. But uh, no, I mean, this is hard for Shane because he was very discouraged by certain things in that Josh Emmett fight, namely that he didn't attack that leg of Emmett's that was already just mush enough and then just getting hit too much. And obviously, got yeah. hit way too much in this fight. This is not a recipe for career longevity, no, and no. even just for long term. Health and well being in retirement, you know. So, I do think Shane Burgos is going to have to ask himself some hard questions. I mean, hell of a chin, maybe the best chin in the sport. He has so many different skills that we haven't seen in the octagon, whether it's his wrestling or his grappling. I do believe, though, when you're fighting a guy in Edson Barboza, ultimately, like you need to win, like you need to change levels at some point in time, right? right? Like you need yeah. to mix it up.
0: Wouldn't it be nice if he would have just put in some wrestling just to keep, uh, Barboza back on his heels, which would have set up his striking even more. Just right. by you know going for you don't even have to get him; just go for him, make him work. Uh, come back out to the center, do your thing. But this is not like you said; it's not the recipe for longevity. I mean, he's already taken too much punishment, as far right. as I'm concerned. And I mean, I'm I'm hoping they get him checked out because I'm telling you, John, that was not a normal right. That was not a normal reaction. It really wasn't. You could you could kind of see what's going on, but. Man, I don't know. I I just hope he's. I I gotta tell you, I just hope he's all right because he's a great fighter, man.
1: He's a great fighter, great fighter, one of of my favorites, and and I think as you saw on embedded, Michael Chandler's favorite fighter, and uh, yeah, they were gonna do some sort of checking. UFC president Dana White went over to the stairs to, and I was reading Dana's lips, and he said, "You're you're an absolute warrior," and then he was hoping he would go get checked out. So hopefully, yeah, good, uh, good, that good, did happen. Good and story. for Edson Barboza, there was a good article. Uh, by E Spencer kite, I believe on UFC.com about Edson Barboza. He made his acting debut several months ago and he had to play some like arrogant fighter. And Edson is the furthest thing from that. And it was weird for him to have to be cocky and wear these robes, Masvidal style that, that wouldn't yeah, be anything yeah, yeah. that he would put on, but what a guy, what a striker, one of the best strikers in UFC uh. history and what a body of work for Edson Barboza. He's another guy who's never competed for the, for the undisputed title. He's been awfully close. Um, but he said this was the most crucial fight of his career, because even though he's not the oldest guy in the world, maybe 33 years old, if Edson Barboza doesn't beat Shane Burgos, probably never fighting for the UFC featherweight title. So yeah. needed this win, got it with style points. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Edson Barboza eventually ascend and get a UFC title shot here at 45. So
0: good on it. Yeah, no, he's look, he's another guy it has been around long enough, John. You got to give him you got to reward these guys because they, they go to war, but look, even look, the lay comes out blazing leg kicks. Then just when you think he's going to kick his, his boxing skills look really well, you know? So he, he mixed it up just enough to, I think, keep Shane, you know, off centered a little bit or off balance, but, uh, uh, what a great performance. Another, just the whole night, every, every fight I think was good.
1: All right. We're going to get to a couple other of those fights, by the way. MMADecisions.com, I'm being told, had seven scorecards for Caitlin Chukagian 29-28, and then 10 for Viviani Ataujo 29-28. Point being there, 17 decisions, I believe, from media members, if I'm not right. mistaken. Uh, and again, verdict MMA is the way to go, the aggregate getting all these scorecards together, right? But the point yeah. is 17 media scorecards submitted. Zero had 30 to 27. But yet when you come to the scorecards that actually matter, somebody is taking a piss in round two, you know? (laughs) And then you had Mike Grundy versus Lando Venata. And I thought this was interesting because our, our executive producer, Cody Merrow went to the fights and he kind of thought watching it live. And I know he, he was not sober per se, but uh, he thought Mike Grundy won the fight. Then he went back and watched it at home on, Uh, on mute. And he thought Lando Venata won the fight. So, split decision here for Lando but again one judge had it 30 to 27 yeah. for Mike Grundy like come on man
0: yeah listen man that was a i'm going to say it was a competitive fight but i i had it 30 27 i believe for uh Lando. i thought Lando looked fantastic I, yeah. I this guy if he if he really concentrates on a game plan i think he's going to be hard to beat man he's very talented Uh, Just the way he even defended the takedowns, like effortlessly, the way, you know, we had great awareness. He was kind of one step ahead of the guy at all times, but a competitive fight. It really was. It was one of those fights. I think that's way closer than a 30-27 seems, you know what I mean? But I think you got to give those rounds to Lando. He definitely. I agree. uh, There's no question in my mind.
1: I really want to see him now against somebody in that top 15. And uh, I thought he he did a nice job sort of maximizing his microphone time as well. But he's a good dude. And uh, yeah, it stands to reason that he could have done a lot of damage if he had found the right weight class several fights ago. I said on the broadcast, I don't know if you picked it up. He wrestled one year at the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga at 174 pounds. Wow. And then, of course, in the UFC. He was a lightweight up until Saturday night and, and finally found the division in which many of us believe he belongs. So we congratulate groovy Lando Venata. Jacque de Sousa is pretty tough, man. Certainly tougher human being than I am. It gets his arm Ooh. snapped by Andre Munez and just sort of acts like it's a fucking hangnail. Um, <laughs> what'd you think of that whole situation?
0: Uh, uh, you know, I take away from that. Did you see when they went to the replay and the one judge, goes <laughs> like, Ha-ha. He covered his eyes he now. was doing
1: that during Venado Grundy, too.
0: Yeah, right. We don't know if he did that. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if he he's been doing that. Yeah, right. While the fights are going on, right. but at least this time he had a good reason. That was
1: <laughs> I think maybe he did it in round two of the auto Ujo <laughs> Oh, I'll just go Caitlin. I'll just score for Caitlin. I can't oh, watch
0: man You're horrible. You're a horrible person. Yeah, I'm going to hell.
1: Uh so Jordan Wright is a fascinating fighter for me. Who's the other guy who is is Jordan Levitt? These Jordans, man. Spider monkey Jordan Levitt and the Beverly Hills Ninja Jordan Wright by TKO over Jamie Pickett at 104 of round one. So Jordan Wright has a 100% finishing rate. I think they're all in the first round. I mean, he touches these guys, they go to dust. Like, what is going on with Jordan Wright? If you don't know, lifelong martial artist, coachable, married to the game, coached by Anthony Hardonk and Vladimir Matyushenko and Fabio Leopoldo. uh, And it seems like all of these resources are devoted to him. But when he wins and he gets you hurt, it happens quickly and he is very destructive. Uh, What do you think about the future for for Jordan Wright?
0: Uh, I mean, listen, he's got the aggression. He's got the killer instinct. I think he needs... A little more technique. You can see that, yeah, a little, yes, yeah, a little a little raw, but at this at the these early fights that they give him, he's gonna get away with that. But if he doesn't tighten up a couple of things, the, the better quality guys are probably it's not gonna look like that. So yeah. I hope he's squared away when the time comes. But for right now, what an entertaining, enjoyable fighter. Yeah. He's just going balls to the wall from from uh the second that bell rings.
1: And I know Andrea KGB Lee did not get the $75,000 bonus she had hoped for, but a great triangle arm bar to get Antonina Shevchenko out of there with eight seconds to go in round two. That was a must win for Andrea Lee. I mean, maybe she would have retained her roster spot, but in terms of any sort of flyweight contention and those aspirations, absolutely had to have it gets a finish. And for, the older Shevchenko sister, obviously, this is setback in terms of her contention. And real quick, first fight of the yeah. night, I don't know if you saw it, but Sean Soriano, good friend of mine out of Rhode Island, coming back to the UFC for the first time since 2015, nearly knocked out Christos Yagos. Instead, he succumbs to the submission. And, uh, dude, I've never seen uh, – you knew Soriano after six years away, he wasn't going to tap, but I've never seen that much. I'm a come out of a human being after I uh, got choked unconscious.
0: You guys must be having a ball at that broadcast booth.
1: Well, I love it all. See, that's the thing. Yeah. Like I love the, uh, I'm not gonna say I like love the bodily fluids. I guess I just said it, but like, I'm <laughs> all for the blood. Like I, right. I am all for the blood. I I don't turn away when I see limbs snap. Uh, It's hard for me to watch the Weidman leg
0: thing, so but I that, turn that, away. That, that, that's rough. All the, the leg breaks to me, I don't care who it is especially Weidman. I just like, sometimes I'm laying in bed at night and I think of that and I got to like shake my head. Yes.
1: So the Weidman thing is, is I have a little visual post-traumatic stress when he stepped backwards. Yeah. That part of it is just, is so raw in my mind. seems like he's doing great though. What, what a,
0: yeah, no, I, I talked to him the other day. He sounded way better for the first time.
1: That's good. That's good. All right. So it is Monday, May 17th. Happy 69th birthday to my mother. Would not wow. that be something by the way if uh if Ken Flo and Connor McGregor both had baby boys on my mom's 69th birthday. We congratulate Connor on the birth of his son Ryan, I believe, Ryan McGregor.
0: Wow, congratulations. Awesome.
1: I bet that kid's savings account's going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> <less now. laughs> <laughs> Ryan, congratulations. Welcome to Ireland. You don't have to work a day in your life if you so choose. That would Sorry, be a- Hunter, Annick, incidentally, you're going to be digging ditches.
0: <laughs>
1: like your father,
0: yeah, working Hunter. at the
1: golf course like your dad. Hunter's, All right.
0: Hunter's getting a hammer and a, a box of nails yeah. for his, just to
1: get them ready. Well, I remember when I worked as an electrician's assistant for my late stepfather, Doug Zwitt. And my first day on the job, we arrive at a Dunkin Donuts on the Cape and he hands me a shovel and he says, I need a three foot ditch around the entire building. You know, we'll break for lunch in three hours. And I said, here we go. You know, here's we go. You better learn how to be a broadcast journalist or you're going to be doing some manual
0: labor. I am. I am a huge believer that everybody needs those jobs. You yes. need those jobs that you when you get a little old, you go. I never want to go back there again. I just, I'll do anything. And I think that's a huge thing in, in growing up and, and really defining your character and helping right. you grow is that you you got to grind it out while you're young. I mean, I, I, I did all sorts of things. I broke my fucking ass, but I, I look back now and go, man, I would never do that again. I don't, I don't ever want to do that again, man. I think right. it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? See, I it's would good never good. work in the restaurant
1: industry again. That was something that certainly certainly a lot of hard work and I just I don't want to sling plates anymore I guess for me though and certainly for my twin brother we kind of gravitate towards some of that manual labor I'm not talented enough to work in construction I think as a welder that field would probably chew me up and spit me out pretty quickly but I enjoy like doing golf court maintenance I enjoy doing landscaping you know I enjoyed the, the physical component the workout component to those jobs so I could see at some point in my life, you know, doing something physical again, just maybe one or two days a week. I'm not landscaping yeah. five days. Yeah,
0: back. that landscape. I mean, look, especially I enjoy that, Yeah, right. That's that's that could be uh, you could decompress in your own. Right. Garden and, well, like, I, know, like I could do dishes all day. That's what like I enjoy doing dishes. Right. Wow. It's like it's
1: like, honey, <laughs> do you want to do you want to play with the babies or do you want to do the dishes? Right. <laughs> I'd like to do the dishes, honey. Unless
3: <laughs> you want me to
1: play with the babies, in which case I will uh, happily <laughs> go do childcare. People hate when you say like you're babysitting your kids or doing childcare. It's like, come on, you're parenting. It's your kid. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking childcare. Okay, and the, hard- and the
0: hardest job, the hardest job in the world. And I'm telling you, is parenting kids to me. Anyway, <laughs> it's tough. Yeah,
1: no, it is. It is motherhood a little bit harder than fatherhood, uh, at least according to what I read.
0: Listen, I'll I'll tell you, uh, there's no question in this household that's a true statement because I basically am kind of useless. Yeah,
1: Cody Merrill worked construction in the summers in New Hampshire from 2008 to 2014. Now he's our producer, and we're going to get to the pronunciation of the week right now. So, Cody's one in five on the pronunciation of the week. So, looking for a W. Wow, Cody, come on, Cody, pull it together. What's up, Cody? Oh,
2: come on, Ray. I mean, I can't be taking this from you, too, I mean, from everybody else. <laughs> Holy
0: crap! So I
1: got to meet this man in Houston, and Cody has done so much for this show. And I've said he and our listeners, of course, are the lifeblood of this program. But were Cody to get a lucrative offer from one of these production companies or marketing companies, we'd be in real trouble, right? And I, I don't know. know if he would just completely give the two weeks notice and, uh, and kill us like that. But we appreciate everything you've done. I was, I was able to sort of thank you in person. Um, but I don't know if you're 6'3".
2: I never said I was 6'3". You're, that's a narrative All that right, you're so, playing, just like the fake uh, Caitlin and
1: tap.
0: Like, I don't want to hear it. Uh, I, yeah, I, I agree. That reason. was he not a tap. You definitely was, didn't tap, for sure. No, that, that was that, absurd. That, I mean, I uh, got to jump in there and defend a, a little bit. That, that 100% didn't happen.
1: But, Cody, thank you for all your contributions to this fine program. All the details on the video side, it's not lost on us. We appreciate you, kid.
0: Well, of course. Like you said, lifeblood
2: of
1: the fans, we do this for the fans. That's why we
2: don't get paid.
1: (laughs) Moving on to the pronunciation of the week. Well, let me set it it up for you, Cody. This man competes on the prelims this weekend in the UFC's lightweight division. He fights Rafael Alves, who you may recall, is coming off the historically worst weight miss in UFC history. He weighed... 157, and a hook for a featherweight fight. Wow. Uh, Cody Merrill, of whom am I speaking this week?
2: So I think my issue here with the pronunciation of the week is I'm saying it too fluidly, and I'm just going to copy how I think he would say it because I think that'll serve me a little better because I would maybe say it differently. Damir Ismagulov.
1: Let's hear him say it. Damir Ismagulov. Yeah, it's a hit right there.
2: All right, that's good. It's good enough for me. but I feel like if I said it quicker, I would say Damir Ismagulov, like as you would say in your combo package. But
0: right. I don't know if right. Kenny would
2: have given it to me. But, you know, yeah. his, his son. I ordered that last his...
0: week at a Russian <laughs> restaurant.
2: I'm not even joking. Yeah. Well, was, yeah, right. You'll wrong. have to. I the yeah. like a, yeah. like a
1: bunch of goulash. Right.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. it. That, that, no, that was Gabagool. You were at your yeah, local Gabagool. Italian.
1: I'll have, you? the, uh, I'll have the Damir Ismagulov tonight, please. Wow. Let me try the Yan too. <laughs> All right. Cody Marrow, uh-huh. two and five after a hit on the pronunciation. <laughs> of- well, right, you'll have to show me where
2: that. I got to come out sometime. All these restrictions lifting. I heard your uh, Long Island's going to be open soon. So I'll have to make my way out there to your Russian spot.
0: Just, just, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll let I'll, I'll, you know. We're going out with, uh, we've been trying, Marab's been trying to take us out for about three weeks now. But of course, there's one person who's never available.
1: <laughs> Mr. Crazy- on. Yeah. Mr.
0: Crazy Pants himself that's that right. <laughs> but
1: isn't that amazing though that come 1230 Eastern last week he was locked yeah. in ready to go clicked on the stream yard link I'm just saying right yeah. like because I think for for him it was like oh it's their 300th episode I better fucking show up you know and he showed up in whatever condition <laughs> Well, that's
2: what we do John whatever condition and well that's yeah, right. shout out shout out to John Anik for doing the turn and burn for this podcast and we very much appreciate it as an audience,
1: my friend. So, hey, wow. thank you, buddy. Hey, by the way, uh, Pat Militich, if you're listening, you win again. The masks have been lifted in Nevada. Did you see that?
0: Oh, wow! So, no, good news.
1: So, uh, joining the likes of Florida and Texas,
0: show wow. up in Houston.
1: It's like, oh, COVID nineteen is over down here, man. It's it is <laughs> over in Texas.
0: All right, you no, got so anything Texas else? Was a, uh, Texas was a good environment. Well, certainly, yes. Uh, certainly, if you, did, uh, they quarantine, did they quarantine you at all? Or? Well, yeah,
1: I mean that was that was a little bit inconvenient. Um, the the Friday, the Friday night quarantine. We had a rapid test on Wednesday, but yeah, two or three more COVID tests, and uh it is what it is. Happy to be working, right? Happy to be working. You know, people don't like a lot of complaining, and that's the thing too. A lot of fans are saying, "Oh, you know." People complain about the scoring without solutions. It's like, well, you're not listening to the Anakin Florian podcast if you if you are if you think we are short on solutions, right? I mean, I've been I've been proposed with myriad solutions over the years. We've talked about half points, but if you think that we
0: wield any power in this situation, that's that's right. We we who do we talk to? I mean, what what, you know? that's see, I think that's part of the problem. The fact that they can make a statement like that, they don't understand the severity of the problem you can't I mean, let me to talk to let me read the language for a 10
1: 10 round actually you know yeah. what i'm not going to do it so let i'm um, let me just say to the audience here on the 10 10 round it exists in case of an incomplete round that's really right. why it exists so that in the case of an incomplete round where you had to score a 10 10 they have that option um a 10-10 round MMA is a necessity to have for the judges' possible score, mainly due to scoring incomplete rounds. It is possible to have a round where both fighters engage for five minutes and at the end of the time period the output impact effectiveness and overall competition between the two fighters is exactly the same possible, but highly unlikely. Uh, but again, it's, it's very much discouraged. All right. Enough about that. So what do you got going on this weekend, this week? Uh,
0: man, I'm leaving Wednesday for the Mohegan sun. I have Aviv Ghazali fighting at a Bellator. Nice. Like I've talked about him before. He's a great kid. I think he just turned 20. He's undefeated. Uh, the sky's the limit for this kid. He's got a lot of time to grow. And I think, uh, you know, He's getting good fights that are allowing him to grow. So uh, we'll see how it goes this weekend. But uh, he's uh, right now, he's on a roll, man, and he's a sweetheart. He's a great kid, and he had a great camp, and I'm expecting a a great fight from him.
1: Well, that sounds great. We'll drive safely, my man, and uh, we will reconvene uh, next Monday in all likelihood. Next Monday, we may do some sort of live Q&A-type show, just me, you, and Kenny, actually, because there is not a UFC live event on Memorial day weekend. So we might have a special episode next week, but uh, we'll follow up with details. The only requirement for you, we're all shaving our heads before it. I don't know if that's a, a deal breaker or not, but we'll talk wow. about that off the air.
0: Oh uh, yeah. It's a that's joke.
1: Not, you don't have to do
0: that. that. That's not looking. Kenny good.
1: literally wouldn't, I could offer him one Bitcoin. <laughs> I could offer him one Bitcoin right now, probably valued at $48,000 and he wouldn't.
0: <laughs> it. I uh, I thought that was funny. wait, Cody lining you and Matt up and me and Kenny up last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny. Uh,
1: yeah, it's great. I don't give a shit. It's I'm not bald, right? It's like I don't. People, it's like oh, I no, have no, no sensitivity I would, to it. Like I don't, No, no, know. no.
0: I, no, if there was sensitivity to it, I wouldn't even bust your balls on it. That's not the, uh, I just thought it was funny. Not, yeah, no, of it course. It wasn't to make anybody feel um, bad. I think Sarah's probably got his hair, too.
1: Well, I know like Daniel Cormier and I can grow hair, but I did a post on Instagram yesterday, and I wrote. At the end of it, if you want us to grow out our hair, we will not do it. And fans are like, yeah, because you can't. And it's like, bitch.
0: <laughs> Stupid <laughs> fuck, bitch. You right. could take it He's, easy. Right, listen, it was great chatting with you. Uh, I'm going back. I I'm love with...
1: that phrase, by the way.
0: <laughs> wow. Say it louder. The, the people couldn't hear you. Stupid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not complaining. complain it. All right. Hey, I appreciate you stepping into Ken flow shoes today. Yeah. And, uh, next week we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have extended time as well. And I wish you all the best, uh, at Mohegan sun. And, uh, we'll talk to you in uh, less than seven days, my brother. We'll
0: be in touch. All right, guys, take it easy.
1: All right. That is it for the extended Ray Longo minute today. Let's get to some selections for UFC fight night font versus Gabrant. Wall-to-wall on ESPN Plus coming up this Saturday, May 22nd at the UFC Apex. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. The time is most definitely now.
0: Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything
3: possible to win. The
0: main event challenge. The John
3: Anik and Kenny Florian podcast.
1: All right, Team Florian not here of course to celebrate, but Kenny wins the week 3-2, shaves the overall lead down to 13-62 to 49. Key fight for the winning week, Benil Daryush over Tony Ferguson. And we welcome in the duck Ian Parker on social media at Ian Parker MMA. It's good to see you my man. So Cody's going to step in and offer some quick picks here for Kenflow, but I think Kenny probably would like to reserve the right to change these. So be on the lookout maybe for some content later in the week. So how do you feel about Cody
3: stepping in here against you today, Ian? You feel okay about this? I think Kenny needs all the help he can get. So (laughs) why why not someone like Cody was just at the events fresh and uh, ready to go. You know, it was interesting. We were talking about it earlier, how Cody watched
1: that Mike Grundy Lando Venata fight live. And then because of all the discourse about the scorecards went and watched it at home and, he saw it for Venata at home, but maybe for Grundy Love.
3: Yeah, you know what? Um, this whole judging thing, we keep talking about it. All it's going to do is keep ruining guys' careers. I mean, luckily, I mean, look, Lando won that fight. 30-27 either way was ridiculous. You know, it's just at what point does anybody step in and just be like, yo, these guys just can't do it anymore? Or or yeah. well, the scoring system has to be fine-tuned. I mean, I'm, I know everyone was talking. I don't want to go off the top of the Oliveira-Michael Channel round one being a 10-8. I don't really understand that one either. You know, I thought, you know, I mean, you base to me, they were basing that on the last 45 seconds of the fight, which because it almost ended, but that's not the way to do it, man.
1: I would just suggest that 95% of people who don't understand why those ten eights were given out have not gone online to read the scoring. So that's part of the issue too. So I do encourage our viewers and our listeners to take the time to go to the ABC website, to print that out, to read it. And I know we read a lot of that for you today. Uh, But again, there are a lot of us that are trying our best to interpret this based upon that. Cody, what were you saying real quick off the air about like a judge and how you think maybe there could be some value in having like credentialed lawyers in these seats? What were you saying off the air about that?
2: So when I did this exercise and I texted Ian when I was in the crowd, (laughs) and I was like, I have no idea how they scored it that way. Um, What I found to be the best way to score the fight was to take the criteria and read it after every round or before every round, I guess. And then what I did was I wrote an email to John and I wrote, this is why I had it this way, because the way the scoring lists out is hierarchical in that if A, then B, if not A, then C. Right, correct. And so there was a lot of clauses I felt like I had to use in a legal perspective that were saying, because of this specific language, this is why in ABC example. And so that's why I feel like there is a lot to be said for the credentials of some of these judges. Like I, my word really doesn't carry much weight, so I can say whatever I want, and I'm not going to bash on judges, but like, who's to say that some of these people are actually as smart as they're giving the opportunity to be, you know? So, and a lot of the times, how many times... Um, You know, I have elderly grandparents, and I wouldn't trust them behind a wheel, but they have to go get retested. So, like, if the state says that they can drive a car, right? then, like, they can drive a car. But, like, right. are people going back to these people and be like, Sal D'Amato, you've been doing this for 15 years. Like, what is your updated credentials? Like, did you even Certainly. look at the unified score in 2017? I don't know. So, a little long-winded, but that was my perspective. I don't – I disagreed with Ray. I don't know how you could have a 10-9 for Venada in the first round of that fight that was just where i when seeing it live i told john i said i don't know how anyone could score um the first two rounds for Fanada. the second round is where i switched my opinion at home
3: the problem is too is you're leaving this up to a lot of opinion of a few people that we don't know how much they're paying attention at all times watching the fight i mean john you even said i think it was either this week or last week that you guys are supposed to be looking at your monitor But how many times you get caught looking up at the actual fight which may present a different angle whatever it is you know for me it's you have guys that also have been doing this a long time from boxing, you know, not necessarily from MMA with a strong MMA background. Understand the grappling, you know. When you talk about, you know, especially like the Chukagian, uh vivian That's really right? not
1: true. That's which part the boxing judges. All right. So even, even if that's you know.
3: not completely even if that's way too generalized, you know, some of these people aren't also as familiar in the grappling exchanges. Like to give no doubt. Chukagian round number two, you know, that, that's a problem also. But that listen, that that changes. This is the one sport where this is one of two sports of combat that can change someone's career based off someone's opinion, as opposed to other sports where the rules are, you know, it's a little bit tighter, a lot tighter. Right. It's better than a strike zone,
2: right?
1: Yeah, Sean was saying, and he is sort of an expert on this. You know, judge is a, a, a noun and a verb, right? And again, just pointing people back to the language, right? It's like, oh, that's ridiculous. It's like, well, we're just trying to, to right. Based upon the language. All right, we got three picks for you today. This one up first, a little bit interesting. It's a fight that Kenny and Ian picked last week. Middleweights Jack Hermanson, minus 175, Edmund Shabazzian, plus 135. Odds courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Ian, seems as though there was a COVID circumstance on the Hermanson side. We don't know necessarily if that was coach or fighter. I don't think it was him. If it were me, I would not be factoring this into my handicap. Who did you pick on the show last week, and ultimately,
3: are you staying with that selection? I took Jack Hermanson. I'm staying with him. Uh, to your point, I'm not factoring in COVID whatsoever. You know, I think his style is um, more mirrored of the way Derek Brunson will f- fought Edmund Shabazian, and I think we saw that's a path to least resistance, and that's where I sta- I stand by that as well. And if
1: I'm not mistaken, Ken Flo was on the other side, Edmund Shabazzi, and so we'll keep his pick intact from last Good. week, and he will reserve the right to change that. All right, co-main yes. event. Could very well produce the next title challenger for the UFC strawweight title. Jan Nan 167, versus Carla Esparza, plus 135. We'll need the round, the method of victory, all that stuff. So Yan Xiaonan is already a huge deal in China. Dean Amasinger said when she walked into the UFC PI, it was like royalty walked in there. 12 (laughs) fight unbeaten streak. She's won six in a row without a loss since 2010. She did not fight in 2011 through 14. Um, So fun to watch on the feet. Here she draws Carla Esparza, who has won four in a row uh, to move within striking distance of another title shot in all likelihood. Ian, I love this fight. Question is,
3: who do you have, Yan Xiaonan or Carla Esparza? I like Nan here. I just think that she's going to be too strong of an athlete for Carla. I think she'll keep the fight standing as much as Carla's striking has definitely improved, and her entries on her takedowns have been a little bit uh, less telegraphic. I do think that Nan is just a way more complete fighter. I think she's also big for this weight class. I think there's a different level of strength that we're seeing. She also knows how to use her range really well. If she keeps the spars at a distance and forces her to shoot really far out, she's just going to catch her coming in every time, and I think Nan's a star in the making, not just where she's from, but here as well. I'm really excited for this one to see if she's got what it takes against a uh, top contender in Esparza. So I like shout here by decision.
1: Good analysis. I like the matchup. Cody Esparza, pretty remarkable. Last win, split decision over Marina Rodriguez. Also beat Michelle Watterson, Alexa Grasso, and Vina Janji Doba during this streak. I mean, that is an impressive wins list. Hell of a career overall. She's got the head-to-head win over Thug Rose Nama Yunus, and that is an important layer because we're Esparza to get through this yon challenge. She might be next for Rose. I think that's a fight that would really appeal to Rose Namajunas. What do you think, Cody? Co-main event. Shaunan Esparza, who wins? How do they get it done on behalf of Team Florian?
2: Well, if I'm an odds maker, I don't know how Jan Shonan isn't a minus 200, minus 250 favorite. But picking here on behalf of Team Florian, <laughs> I think I have to go with Carlos Esparza, the cookie monster. We both we both have a victory over Vina Janji Doba. So, I think I have to go with Sparza because of the deficit here. Right. But Kenny's probably going to say Shanon by decision. That's what I'm going to bet. But Cody's, Cody's taking Carlo by knockout
3: in the first round.
1: Yeah. Do you have a round and a method of victory for us? I love the way, see, this uh, is the way it should be done. When you're trailing, you have to find, I know it's only May. Right. But you it's have to find points. opportunities. I'm not saying this fight is the right one per se, but like <laughs> when there's hot. a plus 460 underdog, like Kenflow's <laughs> got to start taking some flyers on those. And you can be sure he's not listening back. So, uh, uh, all right. So, how is Carlos Barza winning this fight, Cody Murray? By decision.
3: All right. Uh, all
1: right. She's main not event. Win this fight, though, but that's fine. She wins by knockout in the first round.
2: I, I don't Ian. think that.
1: Yeah, Ian, we're going to have you lead the main event just because Flo's not here. And I'm going to do this entire prediction in a Boston accent out of respect for Rob Font. So uh, some of the listeners really like this. Some of them do not. Kind of like the mustache. All right, Rob Font out of New England, more specifically Lemonston, Massachusetts. Actually fights out of Woburn, if I'm not mistaken. Hopefully uh, Bruce Buffer or Joe Martinez won't fuck that up for everybody this weekend. Rob Font, minus 121. Cody no Love Garbrandt, the even-money underdog, will need the round the method of victory. So Font, Ian, on the brink of his first UFC title shot, stopped Mylon Marais last year, December 19th, third straight win. On the other side, Cody no Love needed a win last June at UFC 250, and man, did he get it. I'm being told Rafael Assuncao is actually still unconscious. Uh, that vicious knockout was all the way back in June of 2020, but it did position Garbrandt, of course, for this main event title eliminator against Rob Font, Ian Parker, who wins the main event on ESPN Plus, and how do they get it done?
3: I don't even know if I want to attempt that accent, Rob Font. But, uh, not, not, think, bad. Not, not bad. Not bad, not bad. It sounded almost like Borat. Somehow I almost went that way. That was weird. My apologies to all the Bostonians out there. But, um, yeah, you know what? With Cody's knockout over a sunset, out, here's my thing. He threw that punch. He wound up from the hip. That does not work on a striker like Rob Font, who will jab you 25 times before you could even throw that. I mean, that was like a video game power punch where you literally hold onto the button and release it. And he lets go of all this power. It doesn't take away from the knockout. And the sunset was extremely tough. But I just think Rob Font is at a point in his career where everything's finally coming together. This is the guy we've been waiting for. You know, he's with a good team. And I'm not just saying that because they're friends of the show. I think his striking is one of the best in the division. We saw it against Marlon Morice. And his takedown defense has gotten way better. You know, Cody is a good wrestler, but he doesn't use it. He's just super confident in his boxing. But as we've seen, you know, when he gets into these brawls, he usually loses. And I just think that Font is the smarter fighter. I think he's going to come a little bit more prepared. Not that I don't like Cody. I've been a fan of Cody for a long time, but I think Rob Font wins this by decision.
1: Cody Merrow, not Cody Cody Garbrandt, is like a member of the New England cartel. So, Cody, we know you're probably going Rob Font. Uh, the question is, how's he get it done?
2: Rob Font is going to win this fight by decision, but for the purposes of the show, Cody Garbrandt's going to win <laughs> by decision. <laughs> <laughs> he needs the points. I don't. Right, Kenny. Kenny won't do it, so I got to do it for him. And I if he it. doesn't so, go, can I can change. If Kenny wants
3: things. to throw me some Bitcoin. He can, and we'll get, He could buy points back. That'd be interesting. How about that?
2: Well, uh, and I have. I've seen some intel via Aljamain Sterling's Instagram that they're spending time with the cartel. So. I, I yeah. got a roll with Rob Font, but not that? for the show.
1: And Sorry. one thing on the Boston accent, and uh, there are a lot of actors who do it well. A lot of them who don't do it particularly well, but with the letter R. Yes. So if it's in the middle of a word, you basically kill it, right? Just have it, right? Just fucking have it. have it. But if have it's it. at the end of the word, like car, you don't say car. You say car. And people are confused mm. on that. You know, it's like pack the car and have a jad. It's not pack the car. It's packed the car, in fucking Havajad, and that's enough on that. Ian, when's the next PFL broadcast,
3: kid? June tenth. Uh, June tenth. Yeah, June we 10th. have a little bit. Of, have a nice little break. ESPN Plus and ESPN two. Then Thursday and Thursday after that. And then a month off, and then back to back to back. And then, uh, yeah, it's
2: uh, we're we'll back. How about man. it? At one of these times, it's going to be Longo, Parker, and. Florian all at sight on a PFL event soon. Yep. So
3: <laughs> I, <laughs> I think if Lord help the production I end up on a screen together, he's not gonna know what to do with himself.
1: Maybe Cody will go in there and uh, and produce some content. All right, you can see Ian on the PFL broadcast June 10th. Uh no show next week, at least in terms of predictions, buddy, uh with no UFC Live Event Memorial Day weekend. But we will talk to you uh in advance of that June 5th show and uh big one, of course, on the 12th with UFC. Two six three. Thank you, bro. You yeah, got it, guys. All right, there's the duck at Ian Parker MMA, and that should just about do it for today. I don't believe that Ken Flo is a father of two just yet, but he has gone dock on me. So uh that's a wrap on episode three hundred one. Cody, thanks for your contributions. Do you have any parting shot before we get out of here? Seems like you do.
2: Something about May babies. You know, my birthday's on Saturday. Kenny's a May baby, so something about Taurus men.
1: And happy for that,
2: birthday. I'm Cody Marrow. This is John Anik. Go.
1: That's good. Happy no, birthday go to ahead. my mom, born May 17, 1952. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to all the listeners and viewers who came up to me, took pictures at the arena and at the host hotel. And so many of you were talking about the and Florian podcast, which really warms my hat because it really is my way to give back to all of you fine people. So I appreciate that. Uh, If you want merchandise like the Felder and Anik shirt I'm wearing or the Anik Florian podcast hat I'm wearing, AnikFlorianPodcast.com. There is a promo code on the website. And we'll be back next week. Stay tuned on social media for details on a Q&A portion to next week's program that will allow you to join us live on StreamYard. You can also ask questions on Twitter as well. Uh, This has been a Cody Merrill production for Ray Longo and Ian Parker. John am saying So long for now. Everybody, have a great week. Even you, Patty Milicic. You'll live.
2: Previously on the Anakin Florian podcast.
3: Very, very uh, hard fight to cap here. You know, we don't know which Edmund Shabazzian we're going to get after that last loss. He's been out for a while. You know, and, you know, obviously we saw him controlled by Derek against the cage. Jack might present a lot of problems. You know, if Jack's smart. He bull rushes him, puts him against the cage, and brings him down real quick. I'm hoping Shabazian is working on that, but I just can't rely on that knockout power getting done so quick. Jack's experience, he's fought the best of the best. You know, when you get your first loss, it's so hard to judge how these young guys come back so quickly. So I have to think that the fight IQ of Hermanson gets it done. I think Kenny might be licking his chops here at a value plan. Shabazian striking. So maybe, but again, too, is in Kenny's blood. I'm gonna go with Jack here. Probably the first seven. Is it Eight minutes is going to be most dangerous for him. That's where yeah. Shabazzian
1: can really take advantage. I'll, I'm going to take that bet. I'm actually going to go with Shabazzian here. Um, but a- as you guys said, I mean, not a whole lot of people go out there and finish Hermanson. Hermanson has a chin from hell. Yeah. But I'm going to take that gamble because I need some motherfucking points.